Welcome to this latest episode from iGaming FM, the betting and gaming sector's talk radio show. Episode number 32 is another jam-packed edition, featuring most prominently Sporting Tech, Parlay Bay and Thunderkick, with contributions also from the show floor at last week's SBC North America event. And that's where we start, with a little bonus content from New Jersey, with views direct from the event, from Sports Handle, Green Tube, Bragg Gaming and PR company Chalk and Dog. And we also spoke to Steve Rubenfair, the man behind recently launched app Better Takes. Next up, Jack Smith, Sales Director at Sporting Tech, is in conversation with our Robin Hutchison, discussing the company's thriving LATAM operations and looking ahead, specifically to next month's Brazilian iGaming Summit. Then squaring the airs, Ben Clemenson makes his long overdue podcast debut chatting to Parlay Bay CEO Patrick Nordwall. Among other things discussed, Patrick explains how the company is curating content to present players with a bet discovery pathway that feels both contextual and natural. Finally, the prolific Robin is back, chatting to Sweden-based casino games developer Thunderkick, specifically Mike Collins, game product owner, and marketing manager Johanna Backlund. Mike and Johanna outline the Thunderkick offer, picking out some highlights and forthcoming releases, as well as discussing the importance of company culture. But first, here's producer and multi-instrumentalist Ellie Lynch to play our little theme tune on her favourite guitar. So, to the Meadowlands Expo Centre in New Jersey, an SBC Summit North America. We asked a handful of attendees what they were most looking forward to in the North American betting and gaming sector in the next year or so. Firstly, Brett Smiley of Sports Handle talks NFL. Definitely not the most uh, exciting and, and some might consider a little bit dry, but with five NFL players recently getting flagged for betting against the rules and within the past 10 days, three universities, Iowa, Iowa State and Alabama coach getting fired. I'm interested in finding out how regulators are going to handle this, how the, the leagues, NCA especially, NFL are going to deal with this. It's kind of a reckoning, and uh, I've kind of referred to this internally as like a year of the reckoning or uh, or blowback. The way the regulators are treating things in uh, Massachusetts and Ohio, there are problems that are coming home to roost, and I'm, you know, as a reporter, interested in covering them. Next up, Michael Bauer of GreenTube is looking forward to seeing the company's content being live in more markets, as he explains. Plus, most exciting two things is that we want to go live in Connecticut and Pennsylvania. We are working very hard to achieve our goals here. Secondly, we are very much looking forward to getting the first games from the recently acquired studios that we have here in the US. I've seen already the game's prototype state and I'm getting really excited, so yeah. We spoke next to Jake Rosenberg of PR and comms agency Chalk and Dog, who has high hopes for big changes. I would say the thing I'm most intrigued about the next 12 months in the United States is three of the most populated states have not even been legalized yet, and it's kind of a legislative battle between Florida, California, and Texas. I'm very intrigued to see what goes on with those states, given that there's so much betting handle on the table there, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that turns out in the legislature over the next 12 months. Meanwhile, Lara Falzon of Bragg Gaming is excited about the company's content reaching a bigger audience. I think for us, in terms of Bragg, the most exciting thing is opportunity and also the ability to be able to show our content and what we're able to produce going forwards. And finally, entrepreneur Steve Rubenfair, the man behind the Better Takes app, thinks we'll see a shift in focus in the coming months and years. 
The big change I see happening is I think that the uh, the operators are going to have to go through a lot of changes. So right now, it's been a big land grab. There's tons of new customers. They're offering these incredible affiliate bounties and paying a lot of money for new customers. And that's just going to end at some point. They're not building up any brand loyalty. If you can you know, make an extra $100 on your bonus, you're going to go to another place. And what I think is going to be the big change, I think there's two things. I think that the operators, the land grab is going to end soon. And the real exciting thing I think that's going to change things, maybe in a little more than 12 months, is peer-to-peer -peer betting. And not like the bet exchanges in Europe, but more like the direct matchup of, of putting people together. Because I think fundamentally the operators offer exactly nothing. All they offer is price. Nobody is going to go and bet with DraftKings because of some personalization if they can get a 10 cent better line on FanDuel. So I really think peer-to-peer -peer betting, once people understand it, because of the lack of commissions, because the commission structure is very low, is going to be the next big thing. So from New Jersey to Sporting Tech, and now Robin in conversation with the company's sales director, Jack Smith. Jack, the last time we spoke, Latin America was the big focus for Sporting Tech. Obviously, it still is. And I believe you're just back from a trip to Sagsi. Big show, lots going on, no doubt. What were the sort of key learnings for you guys there? Well, so for me personally, I would say better understand the weather. Because when I got there, it was 12 degrees. And that's not what I was in mind for, because I definitely packed shorts. That, that's first lesson learned on my part. But I say from a business perspective, look, it's no secret. Obviously, our focus is on Latam. And us as a sales team, obviously, we're actively trying to expand that in, and further diversify our portfolio of territories in which we work. So we're always actively trying to tap into market trends, given that there seems that there's a lot of potential regulations on the horizon in South America this year. It's good to get like on the ground and have open discussions with people and other operators uh, and just to kind of understand how they're working, some of the nuances and, and difficulties that they're currently going through. So what I certainly found on this occasion what was that there's definitely a strong retail presence, probably more though more so than I understood. Obviously, Brazil is predominantly online, and that's where I've been working closer to more, most recently. But there, there's obviously this this added desire for them to really expand and excel now in this this online vertical. So for me, it was just looking at who we can build fruitful partnerships with. Hopefully, obviously, take these businesses forward and work in a, in a more collaborative way with some operators in, in markets that we're not currently in. You mentioned the B word there, Brazil. For a lot of people in Latin America, Brazil is Latin America, given the size or the potential size of the market. Not unlike the UK white paper, and after a number of false starts, we seem to be back on the road with Brazil. Give us the latest there from your point of view, and, and what are you expecting in the next few months? One of the key things, and this is why I find these events that we go to in, in South America are really good, because you do really get some good value knowledge. So there was lawyers on panels, various people that have closely tied to governments and just little snippets and, and sound bites of, of what's going on. So from my understanding at the moment, the current plan is that it look, will look to regulate later this year, probably more realistically into the start of next year. And what that will do is that will give operators an ample amount of time to, to apply for these licenses. So there's an expectancy, obviously, that you need to have a live operation in the country, which is also going to be fairly difficult for some, obviously, the European operators that aren't already don't have active offices there. And obviously, they'll, they'll be looking for their share of the pie as well. So that's perhaps a hurdle that they'll have to look to come over. Sportsbook and Casino as well looks like it's going to be required to be separated which mean obviously a focus from the operators will now have to run two separate websites. Thoughts behind this and speaking to some of our customers is that obviously it's 
highly religious country, Brazil, and sports betting is somehow seen as more of like a skill rather than gambling. Hence the regulation, obviously, sports betting, and they're turning a blind eye to casino at the moment as it stands. Again, that's going to be another hurdle even for us as a platform provider. We're obviously actively investigating what that means for us and and the commitments that we would obviously need to impose from a technical standpoint is for for separating these websites. There's also the the license fee. We're we're now fairly confident of what that's going to be. Originally, they said it'd be around 30 million reais, which I think at the time of this equates to around about 22.5 million. And it's now going to be 30 million, which is around about five, five million pounds, I think, from from when I checked uh, the other day. But then also it doesn't look like they're going to limit licenses, which we thought originally might be a case. So that's good. It will create a nice, fair, competitive market for those, obviously, that can afford the license as well. I was going to say, actually, about the license and, and tax rates and that sort of thing. Is that going to be prohibitive, do you think? I think it certainly will, because I think the cost of the license alone will will scare a few operators away. I think it obviously for the likes of the European operators that we know so well in this industry, they certainly won't gawp at that i think they'll they'll actively go in and pay that because they know that there's a big piece of the pie to have what i would feel for is some of obviously the the successful operators in brazil that just probably aren't quite at that level yet where you can look to afford that so it certainly will be interesting to see what kind of percentage of the market will will be in a position where they are successful but they're not quite at the level where they can afford a license and whether there'll be some sort of intermediary to that that's the bigger picture. Let's talk a little bit more now about the, the ins and outs on the ground. Operators, what, what's early success going to look like for them? And what are you hearing from them in terms of requirements, your side of things, the sportsbook platform? What do they need from you? What are they struggling with? What are the challenges at the moment? I think based on from what I've just mentioned, there's certainly some of the native operators will actively have a head start. I think obviously they're already headquartered in Brazil anyway. Some of them, are they have multiple offices all across the country, given its huge landmass. They're really good at tapping into the local player because... They, they, they know what their own players like. They are Brazilian at the end of the day. It's, it's no different than here. We know what we like as English people or any other country. That you, you know what your, your local likes. And they do that, obviously, through various forms of engagement that we, we don't need to tell them how to do anything. All we're doing as a provider of technology is providing them the, the technical nows to be able to behave and perform successfully. And in order to do that, it's things like I can take the, our share a bet feature, for example. That's something that we we're actively now pushing, given that there's a huge influencer input to sports betting and casino in Brazil. And what that means is that an influencer could come onto one of our websites once they've built their bet or they, they want to share a bet. They can simply click on the social media platform of choice and it will simply fire out a branded tweet or a branded Instagram or a WhatsApp to all of their followers. And, and that's a, a huge way in which we're trying to engage and help our Brazilians in, in expanding their businesses through engagement of, of their influencers. So I think that's something that obviously others that are hoping to muscle into the market will have to understand and try not to come in and be too bullish with their own ideas. I mean, we, we know that some brands do like to do that, but I'd say that there are there's certain nuances that have to be certainly adhered to when, when going into Brazil. I think the blueprint is essentially already there from an engagement perspective through social media and influencers across sports and casino. So I think for for us, it'd be interesting to see who can further build on this and come up with anything innovative and, and find new ways to attack that market. Right, that's Brazil then. And contrary to what I said earlier, there is more to Latin America than Brazil. What are you seeing elsewhere? What's the next big thing? And, and, and where else are you making inroads in, in Latin America? 
We're being fairly coy at the moment. The reason being, I think look, it goes without saying, we would love to be in more territories than we currently are. But as we're kind of understanding as a business, they, like I've said, they've all got their own nuances and ways of operating. Given it looks like as well that there's going to be potentially more regulations on the horizon in, in, in Peru and Chile later this year as well. It's obviously something that we have to review from a technical standpoint and a business standpoint before we jump into the deep end too quickly and, and be found floundering. So I think it's fair to say, look, we, we, we've certainly got the feelers out there. There's a few other countries that we're very much taking the approach where when we enter the market, we, we want to go in with the right attitude and the right partner to be successful. And I would say Chile and Peru would, would be two of those that, that would be ones that are high on our agenda. We talked off uh, at the start of the, the conversation about SAGSI. Brazilian Eye Gaming Summit, or Biz as it's known, isn't far away now. Guessing that's ringed in the calendar for you guys. What are you up to there and who are you looking to meet? It's a big one for us. I think it goes without saying that outside of ICE, it's probably the biggest event of the year for us. Case in point being that we, we've secured one of the largest stands at the show. Obviously, it's, we, we wanted to expand on what we did last year, where there were certain limitations in stand space. Whilst it created a really intimate event, I think the huge boom in Brazil over the last 18 months has definitely quantified as to why we're, we're now seeing this huge scale event, which is going to be really exciting. So we're taking close to 20 of us going down from Sporting Tech. Obviously, we have people on the ground there already, so we'll, we'll be commanding a huge presence there on our stand. I think it's fair to say, obviously, as well, we've got a big reputation in Brazil. So we, we want to kind of continue to, to grow on that, especially obviously last year as we won Platformer Provider of the Year at the same event in 2022. So for us, it's all about continued success and meeting with existing partners, uh, discussing with new partners that we're, we're potentially collaborating with, and just looking how we can grow further as a provider within the region. I say Brazil on the whole has, has done really well to kind of engage with players across sports and casino already. So for us, it's finding the next new innovative thing that we think can bring additional value, not only to us as a technical platform, but also obviously to our operators as well. And look, there's, there's plenty of sharp minds there. We've seen some really great things come through already that, that we're looking to, to integrate at the moment. So I think it'll be a really, really good show. Ben Clemenson makes his long-awaited pod debut now, chatting to Parlay Bay CEO Patrick Nordwall. How has 2023 been so far for Parlay Bay? You've obviously just announced the big partnership with Daffabet. We launched our first product in the end of 2022. Since then, it has been full throttle ahead with the, the next release of our Stackem game, which we are releasing as we speak. And uh, high hopes on that. And, uh, you know, it has been a development cycle since then. A pretty complex uh, game, but I think it's something unique in the market. A combination of pre-match and in-play bet builder, which I haven't really seen anywhere else. A lot of effort and focus on creating that, the, the, the final polish and everything. And now we stand for, you know, the release to the market. So excited about that. Great. And just a bit more on Stackham then. So will that be across all the sports you're offering? And how much potential do you think that game has? I think it has a huge potential because it's an in-play builder, which is something new. And it works the way that we are providing the player new markets as the, the, the actual 
match fixture is developing in time. So some markets are disappearing and you're shuffling new markets into the game the whole time. So, so you, you see new possibilities to, to bet on new things as, as the game progress, which is pretty fun and again, it's more context driven if you're connected to the actual match play. Yeah, I, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's a great game. And what we're going to release first is, of course, Football First, which is the biggest sports in, in the markets that we're addressing currently. We are also adding basketball and ice hockey. Of course, those seasons are ending now. And then we will add more sports into the stacking game. But first out is soccer. You've released some other game features and things like that in in April. Can you tell us any more about that? Yes, we are releasing something that we call multi-betting, which is a way to increase your probability to win a certain market. Since in our markets, we have multiple choices where we combine outcomes of, it could be up to two, three matches running in parallel. So you can have who's going to get the first corner kick or receive the first card. So if you have three matches running in parallel, so it's basically seven outcomes which might be pretty hard to predict. So then you can multi-bet, then you can place a bet on three of those seven outcomes, and then you enhance your probability to win, of course. That's a new feature. And also what we have done is we have upgraded and made a completely new discovery in our new lobby. So that's a really, I think, enhancement since since the first lobby we released in, in November last year. And we have taken the best of the streaming providers like Netflix, HBO, and those kind of discovery thinking and setups and implemented into our lobby where we have recommendations for you, what's upcoming. Try to make a discovery which accommodates to the player preferences. In terms of micro betting, obviously that's been a huge buzzword in the US and, and everywhere. How big do you think that can be and what part is Parlay Bay offering in the micro betting space? I think micro betting is really good from the perspective that it's, it's a quicker gratification. You don't need to wait for a whole match to end before you, you, you know if you won or lost. So that's, of course, a bit what micro betting is, is about. But I think micro betting per se maybe not be the, the big thing it's it's about how you package it in, in different games and how you present it to players i think that's the key and how you curate that and i think that's something that we also we already have it in the stacking game so present a market which makes sense to the actual match development you don't want to have if uh, we take a football match for example you know one team is much better than the other. You don't want to be asked the question, will there be an equalizer in, in the next 10 minutes? Because that's not really so likely. So it's about having the markets presented to the players in, in the match context, which is reasonable. And I think that's what we are working on a lot with, with Stackham and also the next game that we call, that it's an internal name, Propster, which is a proposition-based game which is very much about curating the market appearance to the players based on the actual development of the match and more easy questions yes or no will there be an equalizer will there be a corner or will there be a three pointer in the next three minutes which is connected to the actual gameplay and that requires a lot of data analysts behind it and how to present the markets and also based on historical data from the actual teams in what sequence in the match you are and yeah, the probability of different things going to happen right now. 
I think our games is very good if you're watching a game, you know, on the arena or you're watching it on, on TV. You, you can sense that something is going to happen. A team going to score or something is going to happen. And, and then you would like to have the question which is related to probability of something happening. And which we also will combine with recommendation based on historical data. So again, if you take a football match, you're in the 80, 80 minute and you, you see that City is, is under and Liverpool is, is leading, but City is pressuring a lot. Then you can have different historical data that City has never has, haven't lost a match in, in 10 consecutive games or something like that. Will there be an equalizer now? And yeah, those kind of information which makes it very easy for the player to yes and no, and you have a recommendation behind it. A bit later this month, you're sponsoring at the EGR Power 50. What, what are you hoping to get out of the event? What are you going to be doing there? Of course, we want to be there. Is the, the creme, creme de la creme from the industry will be there. And it's a good opportunity for us to present what Carly Bay is doing and what we and how we look on the future. And also, we're going to run a, you know, a competition on the latest releases during the, the conference. So I think it's a good place to, to really show what we have accomplished so far. Yeah, so I think that that's the main objectives here. And in terms of your sales pipeline, you've obviously just signed a big deal with Daffabet, which which is great. How, how's your your pipeline looking like? Daffabet is fantastic. I mean, it's it's all know it's a giant operator, and we have been targeting the Asian Indian space for for quite some while now. Before we we are uh, a, a licensed, we we are going to receive an MGA license in the coming months. Pre that, of course, uh, targeting the the pre regulated space. And one of the major players is Alphabet. We, we recently went live with M88 Mansion also, which is a good addition. And we have a few of the, the, the bigger operators lined up in that region. But what we're also focusing in right now is the Latin region, especially Brazil, since everybody knows you know, it's exploding there. And football, we have the best coverage on is, you know, top of mind in, in Latin. We all know that. So we are doing a hard push towards Brazil the coming month, actually. Hope to get some traction in that market. And then I believe what we are aiming for is to start targeting the more regulated space in Europe after summertime. Once we, we have the, the license and everything and we can you know, target that market. That's a bit about how we see the, the, the sales pipeline and how we go to different regions across the globe step by step. I think we already have pretty decent interest from the regulated operators in the European space as well. Any new sports on the horizon? What I think is going to be exciting to see how it pans out is the cricket implementation we have done, especially now when we go live with the operators, which is more India-centric, which goes for both M88 and, and Manison, and we have Mosbet and some other guys. Since, I mean, cricket is number one in India, and the, the player base is enormous, so it's going to be yeah, super exciting to see how, how that evolves. So I think that's, you know, in, in the coming coming weeks and, and months. And otherwise, we are on eSports, Counter-Strike. So it's, it's a bit delayed, uh, a month or so, but we believe that we can do something great with that sports also, with cooperation we have with GRID. 
So it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's good because it's targeting the, the younger player base, which is incoming in, in the iGaming as players. But eSports hasn't really taken off yet, but everybody talks about it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it goes. What does the rest of the year hold? Where do you want to be at the end of 2023? As I mentioned, it's, it's Asia and Latin America now and Europe later on. And also, I mean, we have a global proposition. If we compare to, to the peers in the industry, which are more US-centric, our proposition is more global. What we are doing later this year is also adding American football to the portfolio and baseball. And then we have a full American package, which includes ice hockey, American football, basketball and baseball basically so, so we have a competitive package to address that market also later on in 2024 and otherwise i mean we will cover all, all the main sports by the end of year which means of course soccer is, is the main product we have now but basketball tennis and what have you so so it's a complete portfolio by the end of year that's one thing we are targeting as well and then deliver another two games i mentioned propster proposition based betting game and then the fourth one we keep that to ourselves right now but i think it's going to be you know something exciting as well it's data driven a lot of math and synchronization so i mean we will also put a lot of effort in refinement of, of the markets and the market curation you, you want to be presented with sensible markets which is in the match context otherwise it's not so interesting and I think that's also one key to make it accessible for casual players. You want to be presented with a question that is relevant right here, right now, to the actual development of the match. Final thing for me, if you had one message to an operator that you're not working with, like just one message on what Parley Bay can do, what would that be? What we represent, I think, is the, you know, the next generation of sports betting. Quick fire markets, easy to engage. And we will have the portfolio, which is more than enough for the vast player base. And we deliver a managed service. It's easy for the operators to engage with Parley Bay. I would say, you know, easiness, smoothness, and you get something new. Thunderkick is a busy, established Stockholm-based studio. Robin Hudson asked Mike Collins and Johanna Backland what makes the company tick. So guys, before we talk specifically about Thunderkick, I'd quite like to know your opinion on why Sweden and Scandinavia in general has been a sort of great exporter of casino games and, and slot games in particular in the last 20 years. What is, is it in the water in your part of the world? Mike, I know you're up in Vekwe, you're a, a Brit who now lives in Sweden. Obviously, Johanna, you're Swedish born and bred. But what's your take on this? Why, why Sweden? Why Scandinavia when it comes to casino games? I think... It is something in the water. Certainly it took some getting used to when I moved here. But all jokes aside, I really think it's probably something to do with a cultural aspect that they have over here. Something I've picked up on definitely since I've been here. They're certainly very big on the technology and innovation. It kind of creates like a, a virtuous cycle of one good thing leading to another. They have lots of great internet connections here and everything. But in terms of creating gambling games specifically, I think it's just like the natural outcome that, that you get from that innovation. 
So when one good company comes up, another one is also born. Maybe it's a case of trying to one up on everyone else, but they have definitely the kind of the infrastructure there as a foundation to put in that technology and to create those great games. Johanna, what's your take? I want to believe also that Sweden has like a great uh, reputation of being open and welcoming to immigrants. And I think that is a big part of it. And it helps uh, attract really good talent from around the world. So even though we're creating good games, it's not just kind of us. It's that we have collected like a lot of good people in Sweden. And also I think the business environment in Sweden is good because it's very supportive of startups and innovation and stuff like that. I mean, of course, it's a huge step to start your own company, but maybe not as big as it would be somewhere else. That's the macro. Let's do the micro. Let's delve down a little bit more into Thunderkick because whatever you're doing, you're doing well in your part of the world. Tell us a little bit more about Thunderkick for the people that don't know and uh, are not familiar with the, the, the company history. How did you get to where you are today? Johanna, maybe you first. Well, Thunderkick was created by a group of people who they all came from a bigger studio and they were kind of tired of being like a small part and how maybe the creative part was taking away. It wasn't as fun anymore. So for them, I think they created a place where they themselves really want to work. 11 years later, the main focus here that the creativity is so important and the work culture and office is a nice place to come to and they put a lot of effort into their employees too. Okay, Mike, you're a product guy. Let's talk now a little bit more about the Thunderkick product because I think what marks you out, if I may say so, is this sort of consistent quality of your games at Thunderkick. Give us a sort of insight. What are some of your favorites that you've worked on over the years or or, or others have worked on? And talk us a little bit through the the creative process at Thunderkick. How does that differ to where you've worked before? I'm fairly new at Thunderkick still, but I have been in the industry for around eight years at different companies. So looking from a player aspect, and I'm sure some of my colleagues at Thunderkick will laugh at me for saying this, but I'm a fan of some of the old quirky classics that came out five, six years ago. For example, Arcada, Escalito Explosivo. But my all-time favorite is Zoom. I just love the vibe that you get from it. It's not a game where you can win big, but it's just something that I can sit down and enjoy for probably hours on end and still to this day it's something that I still go back to I guess more recently though I really like Shifting Seas it's still got that same kind of cool quirky vibe but it's a little bit more modern with today's technology and today's math models so yeah I would say those games are some of my uh, fondest and what about the creative process that went into those games or I appreciate you've not been working on those ones they're older ones but at the moment in terms of where you've worked before what do you see that's different at Thunderkick how do you produce those great games Johanna briefly touched on that, actually. It's the kind of the culture as well. Um, I don't want to be super cliche and say it's like a family, but it's it's very non-bureaucratic, if that makes sense. It's everyone has kind of a say, and I've been super impressed with how everyone has all those talents and we can combine at the same time to create some great products. It's a really kind of nice environment to work in where everyone can have their say on the game. It's not just one person calling all the shots. For example, we have great teams at Thunderkick and it really shows that we put some time and effort into the production process. Well, Mike might be new to this, but so are you, Johanna, because you've obviously joined Thunderkick this year and have come across from B2C. What attracted you to Thunderkick and what was the difference in your sort of previous places you've worked uh, in comparison to them? What I really enjoy about Thunderkick and also being at a small studio is 
that I get to be so close to the product and I'm always invited to be part of the progress and development. And it's such a luxury to have the whole production in-house, but it's also like in the same house. We're literally here in the same office in Stockholm and just to be able to be part of demos and feedback sessions and like seeing the game grow. It's such a privilege. I think one of the big differences for me is I've always just worked with Sweden as a market and now I get to work globally and yeah, it's fun. I mean, I have so much more to learn, of course, but I do feel like I have great support and also like a very inspiring environment to be in. So it's fun. You mentioned the global aspect there, Johanna. Um, I met you at uh, ICE in February in London, and you were talking about new markets and, and where you're looking to grow as a company. But what's next for Thunderkick in terms of um, that growth and in terms of where you want to go as a company? I mean, now we're growing into America. First of all, it's LATAM. We're starting slowly but surely, but also looking into North America. But then a big focus now is also to grow in our core market, like the UK and Italy and Scandinavia, of course. But then we're also always looking at new regulated markets like anywhere. So it's fun. And I think one big different strategy for now is that I'm here because they have been so blessed with organic growth. And now, I mean, Thunderkick and me, of course, wants to focus on actually taking some space and showing our presence. And so it's very exciting. Mike, I always hesitate when I talk to product people about what's next, and you obviously can't give too much away, but I know you've a game out shortly. You can maybe tell us a little bit about that, but is there a sneak peek that we can have about what might be coming up later in the year too? Firstly, like you said, we have a new game coming up. That game is called Sword of Shoguns. For the astute among us, that is a follow-up to the popular game Sword of Khans. You might notice a little bit of a pattern there with the Sword of it's kind of intentional that we have a follow-up on a, a sort of game. It's roughly the same principle, but we've changed some key mechanics in that game to make it a little bit more powerful, a little bit stronger. So I really hope the players enjoy that one. Looking forward, we have got a game called Grand Melee in August. A game which has been well-received already, a game called Zap Attack, which is in September. But anything after that, I'm going to be fairly tight-lipped. But what I can say is that the, the roadmap that we have is quite spectacular. What we can expect is, I don't want to be uh, as dramatic as saying Thunderkick 2.0, but we definitely do have some themes and some mechanics that we've not touched on before. So it's something new for the company, but it's going to be feeling quite fresh and still have that Thunderkick stamp on, the go on those games. Thanks again to all contributors to this episode, who, for the first time, are literally too numerous to list, but you know who you are. If you'd like to be a guest on iGaming FM, send us a message via LinkedIn or by emailing LERI directly, or perhaps say hello at one of the forthcoming events in Malta for Casino Beats, or perhaps in Toronto for the Canadian Gaming Show. Until then, and as ever, thanks for listening.